your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Thursday evening episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at underscore Penguins. Today's episode is brought to you by Stat Hero, which is the first ever daily fantasy sports book that gives the player the advantage. You can go to stathero.com slash locked on for 300%. Yes, that's 300% back on your first play. So for today's episode, we're going to touch on what happened with the Islanders and the Bruins last night. And yes, you're going to continue to hear me talk about the Islanders and how um, it just it, it feels weird, but I will give them some praise because um, you, you don't get this far three years in a row uh, just based solely off luck. And I'm going to honestly compare them to a Penguins team in the past that um, you know they, it, it wouldn't be the same without some star power, but I definitely think they remind me of a Penguins team um, not from not too long ago, which I will go into for today's episode. We also will continue our season reviews. Uh, today we will go with Evgeny Malkin, the other, of course, big center on this team, even though um, his season was definitely not what he was hoping for. Uh, and I'm also going to touch on the Golden Knights Avalanche series, as uh, the Golden Knights are currently up 2-1 uh, to one right now in Game 6 as they look to punch their ticket to the Final Four, where they would play the Montreal Canadiens. We already have Tampa Bay and the Islanders playing in the other one as a rematch from last year's Eastern Conference Final. So we basically have another Eastern Conference Final um, this year with Tampa Bay versus the Islanders. And then, uh, of course, you know, you have like a, a conference versus conference one in the Final Four. That's what I was saying, people. You know, it was always going to be fun to get to the Final Four because you were going to potentially see some really wacky matchups. I mean, we, we have a chance to see potentially Montreal versus Tampa Bay in the Final Four. Hell, we could see the Islanders versus the Canadians, and that's probably the final that we deserve considering um, how those teams basically set hockey back 10 to 15 years with how all those games, honestly, we would just be like one nothing. I mean, it, they would be... Absolutely terrible. But let's get into today's episode, and we will touch on, uh, first off, Evgeny Malkin and his season review. So you go to natural stature for the regular season, 33 games played, uh, almost 500 minutes of time on ice. He was on ice for 51.8 of the shot attempts. I'm a bit below what he was last year with 53%. Um, His goals for definitely... Um, well below the norm, 20 goals for, 21 goals against. I think a lot of that does have to do with his early season struggles. I mean, last season he had 54 goals for at even strength and 40 uh, goals against for a 57% actual goals for. So it, it's definitely a lot different. I mean, his expected goals percentage um, was way off this year. This was the first time he was below 50% um, since 2009 when he was at 49.3%. This year, everyone, 47.9%. That is uh, one of the lowest marks of his career. Actually, I, I, if I, if I, I think for as long as they've been tracking um, his expected goals uh, percentage, I, this is the lowest that is it has ever been. Last season, uh, everyone, 58.1% was his expected goals. I mean, we all know how great he was last season for Pittsburgh. I mean, he mostly stayed healthy, but this year, you know, it just it was a complete 180. I mean, you look at his scoring chances percentage, he was only on the ice for 48.4% of the scoring chances. Again, that is also a career low uh, going back to 2007-2008. Last season, it was at 55.7%. The season before that, it was at 54% uh, percent exactly. High danger, this was the worst it's ever been as well, 43.7%. Um, but in terms of actual high danger goals for on the ice, um, 
15 to 13, so he was in the plus 500, uh, plus over 50% for that, excuse me. But in terms of high danger chances for, um, he was not generating uh, quite nearly as much as he usually has. I mean, like I said, I know a lot of that has to do with injuries, um, but you know, only 73 high danger chances for, 94 high danger chances against at even strength. I mean, that's just otherworldly bad. I mean, now if we get to the playoffs, I mean, I actually think he was one of their best players um, during this run. Um, I know he had five points in four games, and again, everyone, that was on a pretty uh, bummed knee. Um, he was on the ice for 59.6% of the shot attempts. That's the highest he's it's been in the playoffs um, since 2014 when it was at 60.6%. Um, in terms of uh, goals for goals allowed, you know, I'm not really that, that's such such a small sample size with six games, you know, five three. But you know, if you go to the expected goals, 48.7%. But if you go to the scoring chances for, that's where he really made up for it. He was on the ice for 60% of the scoring chances for 35 overall, 23 against the last season in the in the bubble, 32 to 26. Um, his best though. Um, came during the 2014 playoffs where it was 65% of the scoring chances for high danger. It was in the negative 45%, um, but for actual high danger goals for, he came in um, at 500 or so for 50%. So overall, um, it, we all know this was definitely a big struggle for Evgeny Malkin with that injury. I mean, he really busted his knee. If you had not seen that article from Rob Rossi, um, he confirmed that Gino actually tore two ligaments in his knee. It's obviously not the ACL. If it was the ACL, uh, he'd be probably not even being able to start next season. I mean, who knows if he will uh, be able to start next season. It looks like as of right now, he's going to miss most of training camp due to the surgery he just had. Um, but it's definitely not the ACL. Um, if I had to guess, I think it's the PCL and the MCL. But the fact that he still came into the lineup in the playoffs, scored a, at over a point per game places while playing on one knee, goes to show how freaking good he is and that this meant so much to him because he knows his time is running out here to try and get a fourth Stanley Cup, which, um, of course, if you did not know, if Gino does get a fourth Stanley Cup, he will be the only Russian-born player to ever score uh, ever score to ever win four Stanley Cups. He's currently in a tie right now with a couple others with three. So um, I remember Rossi, I think, touched on that piece a couple years ago when he wrote for The Athletic. Um, getting a fourth one really means a lot to Gino because he wants to be the only Russian player ever with four Stanley Cups. And remember, you know, him and Crosby winning a fourth Stanley Cup together, that would tie Messier and Gretzky uh, for four as their duo. So you know, that just puts you into the immortality stage. At this point, I mean, you know, sure, he's probably a top 30 player of all time, one of the greatest Russian players uh, to ever do it. But, you know, he's definitely still gunning for more. And I think next season you're going to see him also play in his 1,000th game, if I'm not mistaken. I think that comes up next season. I'm sure that's going to be a raucous ceremony, just like it was for Sidney Crosby, even though there weren't a lot of fans there. It was definitely still very emotional to watch live, as I'm sure it's going to be when Evgeny Malkin plays in his 1,000th game um, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. If you go to Hockey Viz, though, uh, for his even strength offense, plus uh, 0.52 expected goals for per 60 minutes, plus 21% whole lot of red blob in the front of the net. So he was still generating a decent amount of chances. Even strength defense, um, his defense has obviously never been that good. But if you also go to his isolated 5v5 impact, um, his plus 20.5 expect, expected goals for uh, was the same as it was 
last season. His defensive play actually improved this season, plus 1.9% expected goals against. Um, the more you are closer to negative, or if you're in the negative, the better you are defensively. If you're in the positive for, for defense, um, the worse you are. And then, of course, the more positive you are uh, for offense and the more red there is, um, the better that you're doing. So um, that, that's according to Hockey Viz with Micah's stuff. So, you know, he was still generating. You know, he just obviously wasn't getting the results during the regular season just because he was so banged up and he also had that really horrid start to the season where he wasn't scoring and he was just honestly just way out of it he even I think admitted that his conditioning was really bad and I think he blamed it on not being able to go to the gyms during the summer with COVID in Russia and then also I think when he was training in Florida a bit too during the start of the offseason but he was able to finally come into it you know that the big goal that I remember that really kick-started his season was the one um, I touched on yesterday with one of my favorite moments of the season with about 12 seconds left against the Islanders in mid-February the Penguins were able to win that game I'm in a shootout thanks to Sidney Crosby's goal but you know I think Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck were kind of making him a bit angry in that game and then Gino was able to tie it up with a vintage Gino bomb um, from the right circle past Simeon Varlamov and you know, those two points are obviously crucial for the Penguins because I'm not sure they win the division um, if they do not, um, one, send that game to overtime, and two, uh, win that game in a shootout thanks to Sidney Crosby. So overall for next season for Gino, I expect him to come back and stay relatively healthy next season. I think he still will be a point-per-game player. Um, I don't think you're going to see him put up 90 points. I think those days might be over for him, but this is still a really good player, one of the best players in the league, and I think he's going to show um, everyone next season that he can still play at a high level. Know everyone, he's not going to go anywhere, and he definitely should not be going anywhere. You know, I'm tired of these trade Geno takes. It's just ludicrous to suggest it. He is going to retire as a Pittsburgh Penguin, and there really should not be any other discussion about that, at least in my opinion. But that concludes our segment about getting Malkin season review. I think tomorrow we're going to go to uh, Brian Rust or Jake Ensel. I'm not sure yet, but I always enjoy doing these season reviews, going over the underlying numbers, going through some big moments for Gino during the season. Another one that I remember when I think it was mid or early March. So that was the weekend that actually my um, my girlfriend went away to Philadelphia. That was I always joke with her that that's when the season turned for the Penguins because they were really not playing. Well, they were kind of like middling in the just in the standings and they weren't really making their move yet, but that game against Philadelphia at home to, to finish off that three-game series against them after they blew that 3-0 lead um, in the prior game. You know, they were to win that game, obviously, with Jared McCann's goal in the third period, but uh, Gino's goal with the wraparound on Brian Elliott with how he froze him, um, that's another one of my favorite moments of this past season for Gino, and it really showed that uh, he was fully back in the moment right there. So, like I said, I always enjoy doing these season reviews, and we're going to do another one for tomorrow's episode, but... Before we do get to the next segment, it's time to talk about a couple of things. One of them that we have not really talked about before, but I did touch on in the early portions of this episode, and that is Stat Hero. Did you know that 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is it really that surprising, though? The game is actually rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. You don't stand a chance. But that's okay because Stat Hero is here to help. It's the first ever daily fantasy sportsbook that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head to head fantasy matchup. Your name, your stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else 
does that. I don't have a, a lot of experience in daily fantasy sports, but I can 100% tell you that Stat Hero is better than anyone else out there. You are in total control. Stat Hero is daily fantasy sports the way it was meant to be, one on one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. You can go to stathero.com slash locked on, sign up for free, and right now you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. That is unheard of, everyone. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Remember one more time, stathero.com slash locked on. We also cannot forget about Wealthfront. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. They can create a portfolio for globally diversified low-cost index funds, personalized just for you in minutes, no manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you control. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash LockdownNHL to get your first $5,000 managed for free for life. Go to wealthfront.com slash LockdownNHL. That's wealthfront.com slash LockdownNHL to start growing your savings. One more time, wealthfront.com slash LockdownNHL and get started today. All right, so we're back here on this episode of the Lockdown Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow these shows Twitter at LO underscore Penguins as the second period is just getting underway between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche, of course, with Vegas still up 2-1, to one, um, and they lead the series three games to two. A little bit of Penguins news today. Um, if you did not see this on the Penguins official Twitter account or their Facebook or their Instagram, uh, Casey Smith underwent successful surgery for a core muscle injury. He will be out six to eight weeks. So that basically confirms that the injury that he was dealing with is a core muscle injury or a sports hernia. Um, in other words, I don't know why I said core muscle injury after saying surgery, but this definitely sounds like a hernia. Um, and those injuries are really not to be trifled with. Remember, Sidney Crosby had one just last season. He ended up missing, what, six to eight weeks as well. So it, now it definitely makes sense when I read during the practice when Casey DeSmith was practicing before the playoffs when he re-injured himself and then smashed his stick uh, when he was going off the ice. So he knew he must have done something to that hernia. I guess he maybe tweaked it during the regular season, but he didn't uh, fully injure it um, until it happened during the practice. So that's why he definitely seemed really upset as he was coming off the ice. And, you know, who knows what would have happened if DeSmith really didn't aggravate that injury um, before the playoffs because I think DeSmith definitely would have been called upon to start a playoff game or two. Definitely, I think, game six, in my opinion, or potentially even... um, Game one with what happened uh, with Tristan Jari. Maybe maybe not after game one. I think maybe Mike Sullivan would have given him a shot to redeem himself as he did. But definitely, I think after game five with what happened with Jari, I definitely think you would have seen him go to DeSmith to start game six. And I actually think the Penguins win that game if DeSmith starts. But, you know, what that was, that's living in la-la land. That obviously did not happen. So... We still have to live with a, with another first round exit for the third year in a row. But you know, speaking of the Islanders, though, just of course the Penguins lost to them in six games. Uh, the Islanders did defeat the Boston Bruins in six games last night at the Nassau Coliseum. Um, I, I understand what a lot of people are, are going to say. You know, I, I also have said this a little bit as well. I mean, the Islanders have definitely gotten lucky in this playoff run, but I mean, you also need a fair amount of luck to advance in the Stanley Cup playoffs. If you're not getting lucky you're not doing it right. I mean, this Islanders team reminds me so much of the 2017 Penguins. And I know that's going to sound weird. I know, you know, Danny Shirey Irving was giving me a little bit of heat on Twitter when I said that to Adam Gretz, but allow me to explain my thinking here. 
So, and of course, you know, it looks like there's going to be a delay of game penalty, so it looks like Colorado is going to be getting a power play here. But let me explain myself here. The Islanders are getting world-class goaltending, just like the Penguins did. Matt Murray was 937 that run. Marc-Andre Fleury was close to that. You know, Varlamov and Sorokin right now, I think, are a combined at least over 930, maybe 935. So they are getting elite goaltending. They're also scoring at will, just like the Penguins were. I mean, I'm sure the Islanders' PDO is probably top five um, for all playoff teams right now, just like how the Penguins were um, during the 2017 Cup. I actually think they led all teams in terms of PDO during their run. And also, you know, both of those teams have gotten so outplayed. The Penguins got outplayed so badly in so many games during that run. It almost was just a miracle that they won the Stanley Cup. It's been the same way with the Islanders. I mean, they've probably been outplayed badly in eight to nine of their games, but it doesn't matter because when the game shifts away from that and it goes a little bit towards 50-50, as Dan Hopper was telling me last night, the Islanders are winning that every single time and they're getting the results not the other team. And that's exactly what happened with the Penguins in 2017 when the game would go towards a little bit more 50-50 um, and the Penguins were not getting outplayed. Pittsburgh would win it because they would be getting the results. You know, you look at, you know, game three against Columbus, you know, a game that, you know, that they probably didn't deserve to win or maybe even game five with how many shots they gave up. I think they gave over up over 50 shots against the Blue Jackets, but Marc-Andre Fleury was just a god in net. But they also capitalized on their chances that they did get on Sergei Bobrovsky, and that's exactly what the Islanders have done with their playoff run here. They're just they're capitalizing on the smallest mistakes that their opposition makes, and it's working. And, you know, everyone always says that the Islanders are a really good defensive team, and they are. But, you know, if you look at the numbers, I mean, they're in the bottom half of the league and, you know, uh, expected, uh, well, not expected goals against, I think, you know, shot attempts against per 60. I mean, high danger chances, scoring chances against. I mean, they give up a, a ton of chances and a lot of high danger. But the biggest thing, you know, they're getting, again, world-class goaltending, which is exactly what the Penguins got in 2017. So there's a lot of similarities there in terms of that Penguins team. Obviously, the star power is not at the Penguins level for the Islanders, but they just... They're getting the same results even though they're getting outplayed in mostly every game. But I also will say this about the Islanders. You know, no other team can probably duplicate what they do. And, you know, that's obvious reason. You know, they have Barry Trotz. And, oh, wow, looks like who just scores that? Miko Rantanen just tied the game um, against Marc-Andre Fleury. So 2-2 now, really hoping this game, uh, this series goes 7. But anyways, going back to what I was saying, you know, this team has Barry Trotz. None of the other teams have Barry Trotz and the system that he runs. And he knows what he's doing. All of his players buy in. And remember, just a few years ago, this was one of the worst defensive teams in the league. And it's basically been the same players um, since Trotz took over. That's the weird thing. And he has just instilled a philosophy into them. And everyone has bought in. And that's, I think, the main reason why the Islanders um, have been doing this now for a third year in a row. I mean, you don't get, you know, as Adam Gretz wrote today for Pro Hockey Talk, you don't get to two consecutive Final Fours based surely on luck. You know, there is some skill involved. You have to actually be a good team to get this far, though. It is weird. You know, it, it just, it, it really, I think, goes to show that we really don't know anything about this sport that with the fact that this team continues to do this because they don't have the superstar talent. They don't have, you know, a Norris level defenseman. It's just, you know, goaltending. Everyone buying in despite really only having 
one great forward. Everyone else is really good to just good. I mean, like I said, it's just a testament to how great of a coach Barry Trotz is. I mean, I think that's the big thing here. And I still think Tampa Bay is probably going to wax them in, in six games. I mean, maybe it's five games with how, especially with how they played against Carolina. Um, I know Florida took them to six games, but Tampa Bay also took Carolina to the woodshed and they have more talent than the Islanders do. But like, you know, Barry Trotz is a wizard, so I'm sure he's going to figure out how to beat this team in seven games. But um, again, kudos to the Islanders. It's definitely still annoying that they are going back to the Final Four again, even after just backing into the playoffs when they weren't even playing that good of hockey. And oh yeah, I mean, the regular season, Kyle Palmieri has like three points in 17 games after coming over from the Devils. That trade's looking like a dud, dud excuse me, then has like six or seven playoff goals already for the first two rounds. So that's just, like I said, people, we really don't know anything about this sport. It's just, it, it, it's literally the devil's sport, I think is my big thing here. So I really just want to take a segment uh, to talk about that and also um, an injury update for Casey DeSmith. But we still, we still have a little more to get to for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. But before we do that, it's time to talk about rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto park customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com, excuse me, shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The Rock Auto catalog is unique and very easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. And the same professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why should you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car, truck, and you can write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, so we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow this show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. I guess we'll end today's show with a talk about the Hart Trophy. I know I touched on it a bit on yesterday's episode, but we did finally have the announcement uh, for the three finalists today. Um, Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, and Nathan McKinnon is a finalist. And in my opinion, I still would have had Sidney Crosby as a finalist for what he was able to do uh, this season with Evgeny Malkin missing um, almost half the games with how, you know, Sid was a point-per-game player again. And, you know, he was a big reason why they turned it on in the second half, you know, as well as the depth. But I understand, you know, what, you know, the PHWA was thinking with McKinnon. I mean, he also had another ridiculous season. He's one of the top five best players in the league, but in my opinion, I just thought you know Sid was more valuable to his team this season than McKinnon. Either way, though, I mean it's not really that big of a deal to me. Sid was never going to win the Hart Trophy. Um, I'll say it again. I said it yesterday. If you thought that Sid was going to win the Hart Trophy, um, you're just not paying attention, and you are just you're flat out wrong. I mean, this is Connor McDavid's award to you lose. You will see him win it. I think you'll probably see Austin Matthews get second for what he was able to do goal scoring wise. And I think you'll see Nathan McKinnon get third. At least that's just my opinion, at least for what the voting would look like. And then on the outside, I think you'll see Crosby and Hellebuck probably round out uh, four and five. I, I think you'll probably see Sid at four, then Connor Hellebuck at five. Um, I, I also could see a case for Hellebuck over Sid. I mean, way just because of what he was able to do with the Jets and dragging them to the playoffs once again. But, you know, I, I guess I wasn't too surprised with the Hart voting. But I think still, in my opinion, I would have had uh, Sid over McKinnon for that last spot if I um, had a vote on the PHWA. 
Also, I apologize if my voice is sounding a bit uh, scratchy. Don't really know what it is. Um, I guess maybe it's just recording late at night. Um, I, I have no idea, but I know my voice has definitely sounded a bit weird for this episode, but I think I might call it. There's nothing really else going on in Penguin Land. I promise it's going to get more interesting as, you know, the offseason starts coming and, you know, we're getting closer to the end of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Final Four will actually start this weekend. Um, Sunday will be Game 1 between the Islanders and the Lightning. I believe Game 1 will be in Tampa Bay, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC. Not really sure who's going to be announcing those games. If I had to guess, it'll probably be... Kenny Albert, hopefully uh, not too much PR. We, we are getting close, everyone, to the end of the Pierre Maguire era with calling hockey games on NBC as NBC will be done with the rights um, after these next two playoff rounds. It is kind of infuriating, I guess, to end this that you know, he really just keeps dumping on analytics anytime he gets. And I just don't understand, you know, how his producers don't just tell him to shut the hell up. It's just, he, he keeps embarrassing himself. And every time he says, like, analytic equation or, you know, just says, like, the, the numbers can't uh, do enough or, you know, the, the numbers don't tell you, you know, what what case what makes Casey's Ezekiel's tick or something. And it's like, he's been one of the best defensive centers in the league for the last few seasons. He's basically a Teddy Bluger clone. If you look at it with how great their underlying numbers are, I mean, it's really just Cal Clutterbuck and Matt Martin that are not that good. And it's just, he just, he has to say it for the sake of saying, and he knows it gets a reaction, but he just, he couldn't sound more stupid if he even tried. And I'm just, I'm definitely really excited uh, for him to stop calling the sport because I mean, let's be real here, people. I mean, the game has passed him by. You know, this is not the 1980s and the 1990s anymore. And honestly, no one really cares where someone went to peewee hockey and all this. So I wanted to end it on that. And that note, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. We'll do another one of these tomorrow uh, before we go into the weekend. And I will talk to you all then.